0: Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, a show where we talk about movies and more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP, and today we have a little special announcement for you guys about our episode this week. So, CP, I'm going to throw it over to you. We are actually both
1: unable to be recording this episode. Yes, that's very true. So what we're going to do is we're actually going back through the archives and we are throwing out a Total Rewind episode that we made over a year ago and never released. That's right so check this one out it's going to be a nice throwback to the way the show used to be and enjoy us talking about a movie like the old time so d-man i'm gonna throw it over to you do your intro and let's let them see what we got
0: hi and welcome to total rewind filmmakers thumpest podcast where we talk about movies 30 years and older and see if they still hold up i'm d-man joined by cp cp how are you doing i'm doing great man how are you well i'm actually really excited not necessarily for this episode but because i want to do a very special shout out it was your birthday this week so happy birthday
1: yay (laughs) 25 everyone it was
0: awesome 35 25 oh 25 oh okay all right well (laughs) happy birthday i hope you uh you had a fantastic day we'll probably throw up a uh little special post in conjunction with our episode this week, so everybody can celebrate with us on social media. So if you see this episode or uh, the post, be sure to wish CP a very happy birthday. Throw it over to you. If you're ready to introduce the movie, let's go ahead and jump into this kind of old school science fiction flick.
1: I'm not gonna say this is a classic. We will dive into the impact of this film down the line, but from 1953, the independent film, Invaders from Mars directed by William Cameron Menzies. I don't know that you've heard of anyone else in it, and that's okay. You should check this film out anyway. It's kind of a a different movie.
0: Fun fact, you can actually watch this movie for free on Tubi. So shout out to Tubi. Thank you for hosting this old school science fiction movie. And it was cool. I think they actually had a 1986 remake version as well. Yes. So be sure to go for the 1953. That's the one we're going to be discussing today. It was really cool to go back and take a look at another old science fiction film. We've done a couple now on this podcast. And it's one of those genres that has been around for so long. One of the things that really fascinates me right out of the gate is, so it's invaders from Mars. I found it so funny that if you actually look back at like old science fiction, not just movies, but comics, books, movies, all of it how aliens were just synonymous with Mars and, like, Martians. I don't know, yeah. it just kind of blows my mind. Aliens were flying saucer, green, big head, Mars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just the trope that, I guess, kind of stuck in it. You know, most science fiction up through, obviously, in the 90s, there was a movie called Mars Attacks, starring Jack Nicholson. Mm. It's just always been this association. And it's funny now, knowing what we know about space travel and Mars, we're like, if there was ever going to be an alien attack, it's probably not coming from Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, If any aliens are going to attack Mars, it's probably us we're the invaders <laughs> right we're the ones trying to go to mars so i don't know it's just funny looking back on it now how synonymous that was like literally you could just swap the word alien and martian and i think everybody would know exactly what you're talking about this
1: movie is the first film to ever feature aliens and alien spaceships in color
0: right this oh nice. the first
1: one to do it 1953 and why does that matter because this movie actually predates the space race Ooh, fascinating. The Russian satellite Sputnik was launched in 1957. Okay. This movie, for most people, is just, you know, the concept of space travel and going to other planets was literally the imagination. This movie is coming right on the heels of early UFO events like Roswell and the Mandela incident and the Gorman dogfight. Things that at the time, people were looking at in the world and convinced aliens from Mars were going to be attacking.
0: What's interesting is like at this point, the space race hasn't even happened. For us, we take for granted the fact there's been satellites that travel deep into the galaxy and there's photographs from telescopes and we've gone to the moon and people mm. go to the International Space Station and like all this stuff. To us, space travel is just a matter of how far have we gone? Mars. We'll eventually get to Mars. We already have a rover there, so it's a matter of time now. But if you go pre-space race, for a lot of people, the understanding of space travel was probably just science fiction. It was like not inevitable. It's probably like I don't even really think about it as real. It's fascinating too that you look at this movie as like a science fiction precursor to other things like Star Wars. We got to mention Star Wars,
1: Red Birds, The Iron Giant. He said was influenced by this film.
0: I look at you know something like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and you know you got Spielberg doing ET and kind of, you know, having not necessarily invaders, but uh, visitors. Spielberg tended to be a little more uh, positive, I suppose. It wasn't so hostile. The point is, though, that you can kind of see, you know, the trail that this blazed in terms of science fiction. Again, I don't know if Spielberg's ever even seen this movie specifically, but a lot of these tropes and a lot of this stuff carried on throughout the genre for quite a long time.
1: One of the most famous early science fiction movies, War of the Worlds, came out the same year, but after Invader. From Mars.
0: Interesting. And that is actually a Spielberg remake. I'm guessing he watched movies from the same. Spielberg <laughs> you know. seems like quite a movie buff. Maybe we'll just have to have him on the show and ask him ourselves. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hashtag get Spielberg on Filmmaker's Compass. That is a long hashtag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hashtag Spielberg on FCP.
1: Even better. Perfect. Let's get into the movie. The visual effects of it are clearly dated. I mean, it's right? from 53. It's an indie film. My very favorite is all the cutaway shots that they included of the U.S. military when they're coming to fight the aliens. And I swear it's all straight out of like World War two in color they just put a
0: gradient over it this yeah, they literally they have footage like, tanks and yeah, yeah like all this stuff rolling yeah. in you're like i highly i mean i'd be surprised i i mean i i didn't find anything in the production notes but if they actually like trotted out like a battalion and some tanks probably unlikely but yeah you could totally tell some of this stuff's right out of that era the other thing too when it comes to effects we gotta bring it up i mean come on the aliens <laughs> i mean it, they're running around in onesie
1: (laughs) yeah it's not as intimidating as we think of aliens today
0: well specifically yeah they looked like people I mean I think one of them at one point he was like walking down like a cave and they were shooting at him and then he like falls over and when he gets up he bends over I was like I'm pretty sure I can see that guy's crack (laughs) it was one of those things where I mean I have to give a little tip of the cap to the filmmakers the set design and everybody trying to kind of set the mood because it appeared at this point in filmmaking this was what they had to work with if you wanted to do aliens they really for the most part tried to put the aliens in dark tunnels and tried to not just like shine bright lights down on them and be like, here they are in their Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah. Yeah that's how it could have felt. And, you know, I felt they did try to, you know, make it work. And I thought they tried to keep the aliens kind of scary. You know, the Martians. I never really felt intimidated. Did you?
1: No, but I think if I was a kid, especially a kid in the 50s, I think I would have been terrified of this. Like, bear with me for a second. I'm going to pull up a quote when I was researching a film that I saw. This was from the Southern California Motion Picture Council. Okay. He said, the tale is weird and terrifying. Well done with exceptional color. The audience is almost frozen with fear until the end of the film is finally reached. This is entirely too terrifying and realistic a picture
0: four children. Wow. And that's from 53?
1: Yeah. Think about what's going on in the world this time, right? And I think the filmmakers were aware of this. First of all, you can see the allegory. This is a film about the Redskin. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, kid wakes up at night, sees a UFO crash, tells his dad, his dad goes out there and comes back, not as his dad anymore. He's running around town, sounding the panic that aliens have taken over his father's body and other people and everyone else who goes out to investigate to pacify this kid comes back changed as well. More importantly, this is a time during the atomic age where we're building all these government research facilities in the middle of nowhere like the one that this kid is living on. So I think to some extent for a kid in the 50s, this is probably incredibly believable. What really did freak
0: me out a little bit, and there was a scene early on in the film where the dad comes back. I don't know, he's kind of being rude or whatever. And then like his son comes up behind him and kind of throws his son back. Mm -hmm. Obviously he's behaving in a way that is not his usual self and everybody can kind of see it. That is really creepy. There's definitely something there. I think his son even notices something he like notices the like a,
1: there's a little mark on the back of the
0: neck of everything yeah he's like aliens you know, have
1: control of and yeah. he gets
0: agitated that is really creepy because there is something about when you're a kid and the people are supposed to be the authority figures are compromised you know, yeah. you're kind of like, oh, it's up to me. At this point, when you're that young, you've probably never been empowered to uh, do anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. That would be creepy though. Like, you know, you think about it. If There's a monster in your closet or you're, you know, under your bed or something's creaking outside your window. What do you do? You go find your mom. You go find yeah. your dad. What if they're not there? Or what if they're with the bad guys?
1: And then that's what this is about. And I mean, that's gotta be incredibly freaky as a kid, especially then. Cause I don't know if this kind of concept, Asian of the Body Snatchers, right, was after this. This concept
0: of aliens taking over people's bodies. For all we know, this was the first time anyone's heard of it. That was the one thing that stood out to me. Unfortunately, yeah, the aliens themselves were not that imposing. I think at one point they had a shot of like a female alien, big head. I don't know. Yeah, she's got like a dome <laughs> over her head or something. Yeah, I it's was pretty. like, I'm not feeling it not scary if anything it was kind of laughable.
1: I really like the beginning half of the film where he's running around town and, and the way that it's shot he's going to like the police station and they have these really long desolate hallways and he looks small he looks like a kid who well I mean he is a kid the filmmakers are drawing attention to the fact that this kid is powerless it feels you feel that in the early parts of the film then the army rolls into town and it gets to be more of this
0: how do we kill aliens
1: which just isn't it loses the style And the suspense that they've built through the way they're telling the story.
0: That's definitely a trope that, like Spielberg, you know, improves upon that whole idea of kids becoming the heroes of the story. And I think the biggest homage we've seen to that recently is Stranger Things, where there's literally a monster that snatched a kid and it's attacking this town. And the kids believe that it's really the monster, but everybody else is like, you guys, you know, you're just kids. What do you know? You're anybody, any adult that believes it is crazy. That still comes up in our science fiction today. Something else I wanted to ask you about the film, the ending. (laughs) That's what I was just going to say. What did you think about the ending? To our listeners, I don't know that we've talked about this specifically. Spoiler alert, it's 1953. I think we can get away with ruining the ending of this movie, but it was all a dream. The kid wakes up and he's his parents are back and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm okay. And then it even twists on that when he looks out his window and there's another flying saucer and all this stuff. I personally am not a fan of those types of endings. I've always felt that they somewhat undermine the lessons learned and the hardships endured over the course of a story. Yeah. Even though there's this great kind of like meta moment of me being like, oh, it wasn't real. when The whole thing's a movie. <laughs> Don't get so bent out of shape like none of it was real. But I I don't know. I I never liked... Those type of endings And granted Again this We're talking about 1953 So I don't know What this brought to the table In terms of being first They were the first people To do the whole It was a dream Kudos to you I don't know I've never never been a fan of that The twist is maybe Something along the lines Of like Inception uh, He spins the top And then walks off To be with his family But I feel like Nolan gets away With something like that Because he closes The arcs for his characters Leo's character Is going to be With his family Whether it's in a dream Or whether it's real. It doesn't actually matter whether the top falls or not, you know, his totem. In that case, I think it worked. The guy who ruined twist endings, ironically, like M. Night Shyamalan, where (laughs) he literally started constructing entire movies around the twist at the end. I thought one where it worked was like Sixth Sense. Spoiler alert again, if you haven't seen Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Kind of a, it was a dream the whole time. I think that works too, because if you were to just take that away, I actually really enjoyed that movie. Like let's assume Bruce Willis' character is alive. Maybe he gets back with his wife or maybe they reconcile. I thought the movie worked really well. He was able to help this kid and this kid was also able to help him, not just move on, But move on. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't get back with his wife, but he's able to actually move on with his life. I thought that story, you know, so here, I don't know. They're throwing it back in this whole kind of like, did any of this actually happen? But then there's a saucer out there and I was like, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't like
1: it it makes the heroic actions of heroes not matter. They didn't actually do what we thought that they did. They didn't grow. They didn't change. There was no sacrifice. My wonder is this story credit for the film goes to john tucker battle who wrote the original treatment the idea for the story was based off of a dream that his wife had she dreamed Mm. this movie told him he's like that's a cool idea for a film i don't know if in some way that was kind of a nod to her and the fact that this came from a dream i mean Um, i could
0: respect that i mean i can't carry that knowledge around with me obviously i just watched it and i didn't know that now knowing that if that was intentional and he was like hey that's kind of a nod to like where this whole thing came from i'm like i mean that's kind of fun I can see that there is a
1: British cut of this film that just removes the possibility that this was a dream. It's much more definitive. Aliens are destroyed. Army has control of the town. Things are back to normal.
0: I probably would have liked that
1: better. I kind of agree. I've never seen it. That's more the conclusive ending that we want.
0: I feel like you see a lot of. Uh, we're actually kind of getting past it because you know some of the people out there making short films are incredibly talented. But I remember when I was younger, with a lot of up and coming filmmakers, you know, real young, like sixteen to probably twenty-two, you'd see a lot of short films at student film festivals and things like that, where the movie would end and it was all a dream. And I don't know. I just always felt like you said it almost felt like the filmmakers themselves thought it was really clever, but. I always thought I was like, it's, I don't know, it's just not. It'd be better if you just made like a powerful story. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know, that. that's my opinion on the ending. I guess it doesn't really hurt the film in any way. It's just not my personal taste is what I'm saying. So I know something else you wanted to mention was the director. Oh, yeah.
1: Now, obviously, audience, you may be more hip to film than us. I'd never really heard of William Cameron Menzies. I don't think I've ever seen anything else by him. And I don't know if you have, D-Man, but I thought that this was really worth pointing out. This was a guy who spent five decades in film and actually started out working in Hollywood during the silent film era. He was Hmm. one of the leading pioneers of color filmmaking. His biggest achievement, and this affects every one of us every day when we're working on set, was this was the man who invented the role of the production designer. Oh, interesting. He was a producer, a director, he'd worked on the art side of a lot of films, and he realized the importance of having one person oversee costume, props, art direction, and he created this role called a production designer. Every right. movie has a production designer to oversee the visual and creative aesthetics of a film. So I thought that was really cool that this was one of the films the guy who invented that was a part of.
0: Total job creator. Yeah. Amazing. And it's funny, too, because I even mentioned earlier that, like, you know, a a lot of all of those elements coming together, even though some of the costumes were what they were, you know, kind of a product of the times, I actually could sense that in the movie. They were trying to use these different elements to make this work. I don't know if that's a literal, you know, direct line to this production designer, but I could sense it.
1: The other thing I wanted to ask you about... Mm -hmm. Did you get to take a look at the poster for this movie?
0: I actually did. Obviously, with our social media posts and what we put out, I do check out artwork for all the films. And I did look at it. And it's really kind of cool. It's got that old school retro sci-fi vibe. I could totally see it hanging on a wall. Like, I think new movies have excellent artwork. Some of it's very busy, I guess I would describe it. It's cool artwork. I don't always know that it would be great as like a poster on a wall, though. Yeah, If that makes sense Like a lot of the new movies Like you know For instance Even just this week Was like you know Doctor Strange The Multiverse of Madness I've seen some of the The poster style artwork For that and I'm like I don't know if I'd really Want that hanging on my wall This poster with you know That old school side vibe And everything I think it would It would be really cool
1: Yeah it was a reminder to me Just how cool Classic movie posters Really were They did something Really special there I mean obviously Posters now are different But I don't know That it's seen as In the same way As as they used to be You know a remnant Of a bygone era And it's definitely something I missed. Seeing this movie, I was like, yeah, they really did something cool that
0: worked back then. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, a whole conversation around just movie posters. It used to be like a legit marketing tool. And now media is just so, you know, it's on our mobile devices. It's so kind of permeable in all aspects of our life that it's like you know the movie poster isn't maybe the most powerful promotional tool that it once was but there's just something so awesome about the posters that you can't help but love like even myself I've I've had Batman I had Batman Returns poster and I don't even know where I got it I picked it up somewhere and I was like or no I think it was Batman Forever sorry like is that my favorite movie no but I was like man it's just so cool to have the actual artwork I don't know even how do I say it to a certain degree like you know movie Movies are kind of abstract concepts, things like that. To have something tangible, you can actually like hold and put on your wall. You know, it's, I don't know, that's cool to me. Yeah. Owning the old VHS cases, which actually were the right dimensions for slim down poster work. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's just, to me, there's like something cool about like having something tangible for something that you really love. Yeah, I could tangent really far on this, but I won't. I know I got to have, hopefully I have grandkids and I'm super old. I want them to go find like an old photo album of like photos from my wife and I got married, you know, but I want like a physical album or I want to have some old posters hidden away in my attic and I'm going to hide them away on purpose. So like my grandkids will find them. (laughs) (laughs) Like I want some physical things because everything's going so digital. It's like, I don't know. You think about the moment. I love movie posters is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, said I wasn't going to tangent and then I did. But it was pretty so, cool. I, like, I could totally see hanging that, you know, in my living room or somewhere. And then people would come over and they'd be like, oh, what's this movie? And then it's like kind of a talking point. Would they actually go see it? No, because I would tell them to come listen to this podcast. And then yes. hopefully they would be inspired to go see the movie. But I could totally see that hanging up. I could, I could see a poster like this hanging up like Chandler and Joey's apartment, you know, yeah. in Friends something like that. Just like a cool poster on the wall, a little retro.
1: If you've been to any of the lots, right, you'll be walking around the hallways with the executive offices and you'll see just these random movie posters tucked away, you know, in stairwells and stuff. And I feel like these are the type that you see like these old school movies. And sometimes you'll be passing by and you'll be like, I should look that one up. I don't think I've seen it. That's just kind of the vibe I
0: get. I have a feeling that you and I, you know, what we should do is we we should make a live action movie. We should go get some onesies. We should do an old school style sci-fi film and uh, we'll make it under the Filmmaker's Compass banner we'll produce it we'll become a production company in addition to a podcast production company
1: all right I'm <laughs> sold.
0: you know i yeah. love a classic sci-fi man so let's do it it's a uh, roll the dice on what we can come up with that'd be pretty neat
1: we've we've talked through this one there's not a ton here it's a creative concept it's a different movie but i got to ask what do you think
0: as i mentioned the effects were a little lackluster obviously a product of their time i didn't find a score or anything to stand out in my opinion particularly well it sounded like music you would hear in old sci-fi movies But nothing thematically That I was like Oh you know what That was really good You know Something like Star Wars uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just price, amazing price. Amazing music Well anyway Yeah, I mean, I thought the story was good. I was definitely creeped out in the beginning. The idea of kind of like these Martians hidden underground somewhere. Why are they here? They're taking over the bodies of people in the town. You know, my dad is messed up. That really kind of freaked me out. I wasn't a huge fan of the ending. And generally speaking, I mean, it's a sci-fi movie I enjoyed watching, but I don't know that it holds up that well. I'm not sure that, you know, it's one that I'm going to be, you know, recommend, but I might get the poster. You know, I think I agree 100% about
1: everything. I'm definitely getting the poster. Not sure how well it holds out. It was an interesting viewing experience. I think a lot of it's lost. The concept of alien films and abduction and you know has really evolved so far beyond this film that it feels what you think of when you think of an old cheesy sci-fi movie.
0: hmm um, kind of.
1: That was, that was my thought. I will tell you this, though. Something did stand out to me about this movie. At one point, the local scientist, because every town apparently in the 50s had a local scientist, vouches for the kid, <laughs> and he says, this is someone who is, you know, he's not like a kid that's into like comic books and cartoons, and he's very straightforward and has a good head on his shoulders. Because he vouches for the kid's character, everybody believes him, and I was thinking, dude, if the, this would happened to you and I back in our hometown, nobody would have believed us. Nah,
0: they would have been like, those guys are making shit up again. It would have been Stranger Things, for sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know, I look at some of these movies and like, I don't feel like, you know, they need for me to really truly like recommend it. It either needs to really push the genre forward or you gotta have like, Robbie the robot, Yeah. you know? Just something that you're like, oh my God, he like stole a show. It's totally yeah. worth it. If only yeah. just to be introduced to this like crazy character. Just to me, it just didn't seem like anything quite stood out to that level where I'm like, you know, I'm gonna give this big recommendation. Like you said, it feels like an old sci-fi movie. Yeah. So if you're into that, you'll probably love but otherwise you know i don't know if you you know there there are some really cool groups and stuff online about you know sci-fi buffs and all that so join those and, and watch invaders for months hope you guys enjoyed the show thank you so much for tuning in you can follow the show at filmmakerscompass.com where we are listed on all the major podcast directories as well as our social media all the links are there and you can also find us on youtube where there's a video version of this show so CP, I'm going to send it over to you and take us out.
1: Thanks for hanging out and talking movies with us again. We hope that you're
0: going to keep watching movies and we'll be back here next week to talk about another one.